we hope you've been enjoying our series. And um, just a big, big welcome to you. Thank um, you. Scott, how are you doing this afternoon so far? Doing really well. And contrary to popular opinion, I've got no problems doing inter interviews. In my uh, days before I was a believer, I had been in one or two situations where I've been interviewed, and the two words that kept emerging were no comment. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> that just gives us a little heap of your history. But Scott, just to start everybody off here this afternoon, where were you born? How many people think I was born in London? How many people think I was born in America? How many people think I was born in Australia? The hands are going up for all three <laughs> options. I'm born and bred Londoner, just down the road at St. Mary's in Paddington. Wow, and so even though you have some blood in you which is not British or English, you were actually born in London. Tell me a little bit about your family. Non-identical twin. Younger one by two minutes, the better looking one. <gasps> and the church said, Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. So you're, you're a twin, that's amazing. Um, and what was life like growing up? So you grew up in this area. Correct. Tell us a bit about life growing up. The life growing up was awesome. Uh, I was pretty good at school. Uh, maths, certainly not, but English literature, uh, sciences, arts, etc. I really, really enjoyed. Um, although I was a bit of the class clown in my early days, uh, and so I had to do what was called detentions. Now, I know nobody here knows what that is, but for, for your friend that isn't here, that's something you have to attend on a Saturday morning if you've been naughty in class during the week. So I invariably lost a lot of my Saturday mornings to detentions. Wow, so was that your favorite part of school, or was there, were there other no, things there that were you others. actually enjoyed? Sports, I love sports. Um, I didn't learn to swim until I was in my mid-twenties. I would have drowned in my own bath if there wasn't a plug. But uh, <laughs> track and field, I really enjoyed. Rugby, um, football, and long-distance running. Fantastic. Wow. Well, my question to you now, when you were growing up and you'd had a, a great time at school and, and other things, what did you envisage? What did you see yourself becoming as you grew up? Like any young man growing up, I wanted to become a footballer. I know, boring. Wow. But that was my heart. And then after that wasn't going to be realized, I was like, I want to get into um, being a lawyer for the defense. The problem was I had to actually go to court a couple of times, and I was the person being defended. So that wasn't really going to be a long-term viable career for me. So football didn't work out. Were you disappointed? Uh, not particularly. I hadn't put too much effort into it. So, no football, what did you begin as a career, if anything at all? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to impeach myself. <laughs> Absolutely, that remains the secret. But did you work? Did you go out and do some jobs mm -hmm. during your youth? Yes. Okay. Um, how did you become a believer? Perhaps that's where we hear the meat of your story this, this afternoon. Amen. I'm really, really blessed. Uh, one of my best friends actually led me to the Lord. And I will always be in debt for the labor of love and the investment that he made in my life. And I think it's really important on this particular topic, when we consider our own evangelism, that we don't just talk about Christ, that we actually demonstrate Christ. And I think for me and my own personal uh, uh, point at that time, it's great to have information, it's great to have intellect 
about who God is and what God is, but that can never take the place of intimacy with God. And what I discovered as my friend was witnessing to me was that I wasn't just a personal project. I wasn't just something that he had to try and conquer and try and elicit a mediocre, flimsy response from, that he actually cared about me as a person, uh, which means that you care about the person irrespective of whether they make the commitment that you want them to make in that moment or not. And I think that's really, really important for us as Christians in our evangelism. Wow. Was it a process or was it a sudden conversation that brought you to be a believer then? You're explaining how incredible your friend was and how you realized you were important to him. But was it a process of time or, or was it a quick thing for you? It, it took time. And I think more often than not, um, if we think about massive crusades across different parts of the world, the key or the goal of a lot of those crusades is to get people to put their hand up, which invariably they may do, but then there's no follow-up. And so their entire Christian life from birth to death lasts 40 minutes or an hour or however long that meeting is. Um, and what I realized is that actually this is a life decision. This is not a decision that I'm going to take for a day or two or a week or two. This is going to be a complete shift in my heart, my character, who I am. And so what I realized is that he wanted me to experience the love of God, not just have the love of God explained to me. And I think that's a challenge we also find as Christians is that we're really, really good at explaining who God is. Yeah. We can quote chapter and verse, but actually we need to create an atmosphere and an environment for people that don't yet know Jesus to step into without feeling criticized or condemned or judged for their actions, whereby they themselves can experience the love of God. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, they can't deny it for themselves. And that's really, really significant, I think, for us. Yeah. That's absolutely brilliant and so important. So you've got born again. What were your early years like as a new Christian and as a believer? <laughs> there are a few faces yeah. here that will know exactly what I'm about to say. Those early days, and I'm sure I'm just alone. Uh, there was a bit of a running joke going around in KT, in the KTYM at the time, KT Youth Ministries, that my name was in pencil in the Lamb's Book of Life. Can everyone say, ah? I'm looking for sympathy at this point. Um, my, I'd made the decision, but my heart, my mind, my attitude was not aligning with the scriptures, with what God's plan was for my life. And there was this huge void that I had to find a way of bridging. And, you know, I guess the longer you've been in the world, the more world-mindly uh, world attitudes you possess, the harder it is to get out of something. And um, there has to be a willingness to do that. Um, and if you think about anything that's precious in your life, anything that you value, you value it because it's got, it's got material value to you. It, it's something that's important to you, and you're not likely to surrender it quickly. And I found that process really, really hard. Um, but I have to give credit to the guy that led me to the Lord. He was very, very consistent, very, very faithful in that process. Um, and I think the more thorough you are, the more convicted you will be in the decisions that you then take. It, it's not based out of a, a flimsy emotional response to an environment or atmosphere. Like, no, you've weighed this in your heart and you've arrived at that decision that this is what I need to do. 
that's really good. So you were making your way on your discipleship journey, on your journey. Um, I remember you coming on to staff at Katie as, as a young gentleman, um, finding your way and, and growing in the Lord. And, and I'm sure that those early years as a Christian were informative coming into the ministry, if you like, and, and working for the ministry. But ministry here at Katie, how did that really begin for you? What was that journey like? Well, we all know the verse, many other plans of man, but it's God's plan that will always come to pass. And I found that the most important thing in our Christian walk is, is I would summarize my entire ministry in just three words, and that's a willing heart. Um, God is never looking for ability. He's always looking for availability. And you only have to look at the life of the 12 disciples. They weren't the most intellectual. They weren't the most wealthy. They didn't necessarily possess the most influence, but they were all available. And they were all willing to go on a journey of discovery with Jesus. And I think that that's really important for us in our own lives, that we don't feel that we have to reach a certain point or place in our life before God can use us. Open your Bibles. You, God uses murderers, liars, cheaters to fulfill his plan and purpose. He uses us in spite of our sin, not because of it. And I think that it's really important that we allow ourselves, if we are willing, to be used by God. Because he uses ordinary people to do extraordinary acts. And I think that that in our own lives should affirm us in the call that he's placed on us individually, as well as corporately in the body of Christ. Mm. Thank you. So you felt like an ordinary person coming into the ministry and beginning to be used of Christ mm. and you've seen great growth in your own personal life and you've seen yourself doing things that you certainly didn't plan to do or to be and that's where I, I believe that God makes what seems impossible possible and, and your life is a fantastic example of that. And what do you believe being a minister involves now that you have found yourself here where you are? So I think the first thing is that we have to be really, really conscious about who we are and accept who we are. But also I think we need to have an awareness of who we are not and be accepting of that. The world teaches us out there, you just look at the mainstream media, go on social media. All these platforms are designed to tell us that we can be anything at any point and that you can be the best and the most perfect person in every point. And actually, that reality is not reality. It doesn't exist. It has been essentially uh, orchestrated by man. Uh, what I have found in, a, in my own life is that if you make yourself willing, if you make yourself available, God will ultimately use you. But actually, it's about connecting and partnering with other people where they are in their journey and coming alongside them to help them grow in their own relationship with Jesus. And I think that, you know, there's so much written about leadership in the church, uh, and that's important, don't get me wrong, but it appears very few times in the New Testament. Actually, the word disciple appears very, very significant number of times. And I believe that in any person's life, we are called to lifelong discipleship. Amen? That we, when we make a decision of faith in Christ, every decision that we make after that has to point in that direction. Um, it, it's insufficient. Your own willpower is horribly insufficient. We need to draw alongside others who might be a little bit more mature, 
have gone a little bit further in the journey and actually experienced things firsthand. So if you look at the life of Paul, you know, he took Silas with him. He took Timothy with them. He didn't let them sit in a classroom and teach them the theology that they needed to know. He wanted them to experience it firsthand so they would have their expression of what God has placed within them that they can then use to strengthen and influence the body of Christ moving forwards. Amen. Well, your journey goes on and on and on. As you're saying, we haven't stopped. It's a discipleship journey. But may I ask you, what have you discovered so far on this journey? The goal is always progress, not perfection. Excellent. Keep your testimony fresh. The Bible declares in Revelation that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the power of our testimony. And so often as Christians, and I was hugely guilty of this in my early years, we see our testimony as some sort of historical event that I need to go turn back the history pages of my life to see what God did once, maybe 20 years ago. Actually, your testimony, what did God do this morning in your heart and in your life? And I think also the church is great at making Christians but that is not what we do here at KT. We don't make Christians. We make disciples. Amen. We don't do Sunday Christianity in this house. That is a travesty of the New Testament. We are called to be lifelong disciples, journeying together, discovering the king, keys of the kingdom, upholding one another. Like Paul said in, in Romans 12, outdo one another in showing honor. Amen. Thank you. That is a, a great way of saying that we're allowed to compete with one another, but only in outdoing in our service to Christ. I love that, Scott. Thank you. Well, uh, before we wrap up, I have a, a few other questions for you that you've not heard before. Your favorite hot meal? <laughs> That's a good shout. Yeah, pat, uh, burger, patty a, and bun. Patty That's a good bun. shout, Pastor. A burger. You're a burger man. Football or rugby? Football. Mm, I suppose you'll have to say your favourite team. And all the Arsenal fans said, Amen. See, I knew I was in the right house. Praise God. We move on quickly. Marmite or jam? Marmite is not from the Lord. <laughs> so jam. he's a jam man. <laughs> Given a choice, where would you most like to live in all of the world? Noted, but not on my list, Marjorie. <laughs> I am in perfectly in God's will right now, so London, England. Fantastic. Um, your favorite Christian band currently? Band or art, single artist? It can be a single artist. So we'll go with Elevation Worship. Wonderful. <laughs> Finally, we have to know, what is your favorite Bible verse? It's fluctuated. Uh, currently, it's uh, Job 17, verse 9. Those with clean hands grow stronger and stronger in the Lord. Wow. What a way to end an interview. Thank you, Pastor Scott. It was really good getting to know you this afternoon. And I know we're going to hear from you a little bit later in your sermon, a little bit more of what you have to share and encourage us with. So shall we big, uh, give Scott a big hand? Thank you. Just for a few minutes, I want to start our conversation this afternoon with a question that I initially struggled with, and I wonder if it's the same for yourself. 
Have you ever struggled to understand exactly the call of God on your life and what he has actually commissioned you to do? Or perhaps you took the other route of deciding, well, I don't know what that is, or I'm not prepared to pay the price attached to that, so I'll start replicating what my friends are doing because we find that ultimately a little bit easier to replicate what other people are doing in their lives and pass it off as what God has called us to do. And yet in Acts 20, verse 24, we read the following words. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And you know, the moment that you don't um, entertain and step towards what God's plan and God's purpose is for your life, you will find yourself matching or trying to match yourself up to other people's opinions. And that is only going to end in failure. Can I encourage you this afternoon? You are you. Run your race. It is so important for us to understand that. But for that to really lay hold in our lives, we need to accept that we may have some insecurities. We may have some inadequacies. We maybe feel that we're not capable or somehow deficient in how we are called to lead people to the Lord Jesus Christ. If I was to ask the, the men in here for a moment, name your favorite movie. It isn't going to be Cinderella. <laughs> it isn't going to be... <laughs> it isn't going to be what we would determine in today's society, chick flicks. It's going to be fairly brave and boisterous movies, the 300, Fast and Furious, Braveheart, various other options. Why? We find an affinity with any one of those characters, with any one of those groups of people. And yet here's a thought. In Scripture, the men that grow, and it applies very much equally for the women, but the people that grow the most are the ones that are most vulnerable. And so it forces a question in our own hearts, are we vulnerable? Because you know we are his masterpiece. Ephesians 2 verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. So how would we be able to live that out this afternoon? Well, here's a few thoughts for us. Number one, we need to humble our heart before the Lord. Humility is always mandatory for a teachable heart. And it's something that I struggled with in my early days because when you think you know it all, you convince yourself that you know it all. And therefore, if anyone tries to add to that, it's already discarded because you apparently know everything. But how many of us know that we are made to learn from each other? Yeah. That there's something that you've got that can enhance my life, and maybe there's some stuff that I can share with you that will help you grow in your journey. We cannot cut ourselves off thinking yeah. that we can only read me, myself, and the Lord. We need each other, and there is stuff that we can learn from each other if we are prepared to be humble. You know that we cannot have a predetermined plan and then invite God to complete it. We need to ask ourselves, Lord, what are you calling me to do right here and right now? So for that to take place, a second thought for us this afternoon is that we need to examine our life experiences and our current circumstances. Do you know that God uses everything? We can't redact the bad or disappointing moments of our lives and say that God was not in it. 
we know what Scripture says, that God makes all things work together for good for those who love Him and those who are called according to His purposes. Amen. So do you love the Lord Jesus today? Amen. Are you called according to His purposes? Amen. Then those verses and that promise is applicable to us. God uses our life experiences to mold us, to shape us, and to train us. And sometimes the easier option is to hide to bury our head in the sand because we don't want to go through those trials. Or worse, we want to forget those past disappointments. But here's a thought attached to that. They will re-emerge. If you don't deal with it, it will deal with you. And that requires tenacity, that requires courage, and that requires vulnerability on our part. We all go through trials, but we need to learn to surrender and to lean on God. When we do that, we come out the other side victorious, and God is glorified in those moments, which means every experience that you go through is not worthless in the sight of God, because He permissions things. Amen. The third thought is that we actually need to apply our gifts, our talents, and our abilities. Whatever your gifts are, whatever your abilities are, they will be the, likely the strongest indicator about what your calling is, because God will match your calling with your capability. He equips those whom he calls. So some thoughts for you. What are your strengths? Are you a people person? Are you someone that just loves to get into people's lives, capture what's going on in their heart, understand their journey and where they are? Well, maybe you're called to the pastoral ministry. Amen. Are you naturally very brave and outgoing and you know the word of God and you're prepared to stand for your convictions, you want to stand firm in who you are in Christ? Well, maybe you could lean into evangelism. Here are some thoughts. What brings out your passion? What brings out your passion? How do people respond to you when you act in your giftedness? What does that produce in other people? As we seek God's calling for our lives, he will direct our steps. He will confirm everything he says. More often than not, that will emerge through the word of God. Yes, there will be pastors, there will be friends, there will be leaders, people that can speak into your life. But more often than not, when you know it's from God, he will confirm it in and through his word. And then the fourth thing we need to think about a little bit is to trust in God's timing. The first attribute of love in the scriptures is love is first patient. Yeah. But in the world that we live in, everything is instant. Yeah. We want achievements without sacrifice. We want accolades without effort. We want platforms without proper influence. And we need to understand that timing with God is going to stretch us. It's going to enlarge our heart. It's going to cause us to have to trust in Him, not in ourselves. God will always lead us to do things that will require us to trust in him. And it will always be perfectly orchestrated to put his glory and honor on display in our lives. But being positioned to fulfill your calling is going to take time. If you look at the life of David, he would be an excellent example. There are years from when he was called to become king before he actually became king. And he had to steward the in-between time with diligence and faithfulness and humility. And I believe firmly that if you are faithful in the little things, because God sees your heart in those little things, he will raise you up in due season. Amen. 
And it's not about standing on a platform, but it's about you fulfilling the calling that God has placed in your life where he's positioned you to be an impact. Have you thought, friends, exactly where you are in your workplace? Maybe you're the only person in that workplace that is a believer. Do you know how precious you are as a tool in God's hands in that workplace? If you don't stand up and change the spiritual atmosphere and climate and the conversations that take place around the coffee table, nobody will. You are precious in the sight of God. And actually, for some of us, the challenge is actually, do we have the confidence to step into that calling? Not arrogance, but confidence. Not in ourselves, but in what and who God has called us to be. And you often know the distinction here because we look at our lives and so often you see these um, Christian evangelists and whatnot and they put up a huge poster and the, the Bible verse is like in the corner here and their name is up in huge six foot lights and it tells you who or what is important. But I think for us in our lives, when we make him important, when we put him first place, when we live a life that brings him honor and glory, it's him that is going to be glorified, not us. What he is doing through us and in us, yes, but not us. Now, maybe you're sitting here thinking, well, actually, Scott, I've done all of this. Your sermon isn't helping me. Here's a final thought. Here's a final thought. I was really guilty of this, and I'll be honest, I still am, so it's something I'm working through. Stop your self-criticism. You know the phrase, you can be your own worst enemy? Guilty as charged your honor. Why? There were many times in my life I sought perfection and not progress. Unless it was perfect, I didn't want it. Whatever it was. And yet, actually, in our lives, we, don't, we will never attain perfection. Yeah. Ex- excuse me, on the day of our reckoning, right at the end of the book of Jude, if you read it, he will present a spotless before the Father, but not before then, not before then. And so the danger is that we live in a world with the mainstream media. The narrative of today's society is you have to look perfect. You have to say things that are perfect. You can't have a view that is different to someone else because that's no longer perfect. Actually, you are perfect in the eyes of God. Why? Because you were created in the image and likeness of a perfect God. And he has got a perfect assignment for you. The question is, do you have confidence in your calling? We need to think about that. Pastor Mark shared this morning from Romans 8, and we read in verse 1 that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That is the essence of Christianity. That is the foundational message of the world that we share. And yet sometimes we struggle to plead it over our own lives. Why? Because it's easier sometimes to be a victim. It doesn't require us to change. Ah, Awkward. Everybody wants change. It's what we live for. But what is actually we struggle with is the process of change. We struggle to take those steps that we know is life-giving, affirming, healthy, that God has called us to because there's a little bit of residue from our old nature. We're stubborn. No, just me? Okay. But it's our reality. And the only way that we are going to move from glory to glory is if we keep in line and in step with the Spirit, if we stay in our calling, if we have confidence in our calling. And so how do we emerge from this victorious? Well, here's some thoughts. Speak God's word over yourself. 
Here's a thought. Find out what God has to say about you and start to speak those truths over your life. Very quickly, the lies and the limitations of the world and other people and your past are going to fall away into the history pages of your life as God writes the next chapter, as God starts to shape you and mold you by his Holy Spirit. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's an excellent starting point. God created and formed me with his own hand. I think we struggle with that. We start in Genesis 3 with the fall that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Amen. But what about starting in Genesis 1? I'm made in his image and in his likeness. Here's a thought. Don't compare yourself to others. Look around. Please take a moment. Look around. God loves variety. There is nobody in this building that looks like you. God loves variety. Amen. Which means you have to be yourself. The best thing you can be is yourself. I'm a twin, which means my DNA with my brother is 99.7% match. It's pretty high. I never got that as a grade at school, so don't worry. (laughs) Ever. 99.7%, but it still falls short. It tells me, even though I'm a twin, and there is a two-minute gap between us, that I'm unique, and he is unique, and it means you're unique. Look at your fingerprints. For those of you, that's probably just me, if you've ever been arrested, just me, (laughs) they take your fingerprints. You know why? Because if you do something wrong again, they know it's you. And that's how unique you are. Eight billion people in the world and you only have the one assignment. It's not a multi-choice option. It's not a menu of your Christian life. You have one calling. You're either going to fulfill it or you're not. Here's another thought, number three. Always focus on your potential, not on your limitations. Too often we're defined by what we're not good at. Maybe you're not meant to be that. You need to be you. I was terrible at maths. 12 into 3,040. I'd come up with 8,900,000, whatever. It wasn't my skill set. It wasn't my gifting. I had to learn to accept what I was good at and accept what I'm not good at. And you know, that's okay because I'm still sufficient in the eyes of a perfect God. And here's another thought. Prepare yourself to deal with criticism. Hmm. That one might not sit well for us because we struggle with criticism. If you are a person that truly wants to move forward in your calling, you're going to experience criticism. Get used to it. When you don't follow with the crowd because you realize that God has called you to a different direction, people are going to challenge the boldness that you're possessing. They are going to criticize and appraise the decisions that you're making. But if it's in line with God's calling for your life, their view is rendered utterly useless, desolate, irrelevant. Why? Do not allow somebody else's limitations or inability to walk in their calling affect you and your ability to walk in your calling. You are who God has called you to be and you have to step forward into that calling with courage and boldness and not be limited by what other people have to say. 
If they're going to criti- criticize you and challenge you and confront you, let them go ahead. Jesus had people criticizing him. He fulfilled his calling. Yes. He stepped forward. He stepped out. He was countercultural to the day. Yeah. And there's going to come a time, friends, where our calling, if it isn't already, is going to be countercultural to the day. Marriages between one man and one woman. Yes. Let's start there. Let's have a conversation around that. So how do we apply this in our lives? Don't worry about your calling. What? You've just been talking about it. Focus on your obedience to your calling. Every time you intentionally and faithfully choose obedience, you're choosing to align with your destiny in Christ. God has positioned you here in this house for such a time as this. This is not a man-made or manufactured or accidental purpose that you are here in this house today. Amen. You are here because it has been God-appointed and God-ordained. Here's another thought. Often in our, in our journey, in our Christian walk, we, we think a miracle is an event, a time, a moment. Actually, more often than not, the miracle in our walk with Jesus is to just keep on keeping on. That's the miracle. In light of all the circumstances and all the challenges and the chaos and clutter that can confuse our lives and invade every part of our heart, sometimes the miracle is just to get to church, just to open our Bible, just to serve God, just to love our neighbor, just to see the best in the person next to us and actually love that person, not for who they are necessarily, that's important too, but for the who the sake of who they could become in Christ. Hmm. Faith is never the result of striving. It is always the result of surrender. And it comes from the heart, not the mind. You can't calculate your faith. But your renewed renewed mind enhances your faith. And that faith will fuel your understanding. You know, God never sets you up to fail, right? Are we aware of that? Even your own self-appointed failures in your life are not They were opportunities and building blocks and steps for you to go towards the call that he has placed in you. The further you go with God, the less you can take with you. And you will never get a greater anointing without a greater encounter with the one who is the anointed one. Which means we need that daily devotional fellowship and intimacy with the Father. Because, you know, if you want to step into your calling, it's not a one-time event. You don't step into your calling today and that's it. I mentally check out for the next 40 years. Every single day, consciously or subconsciously, you have to wake up and say, I'm going to honor the scriptures. I'm going to love Jesus. I'm going to serve my neighbor. I'm going to be who and what God has called me to be. And that's going to require courage and resilience. And that's going to take tenacity. That's going to take a deep conviction of who you are in Christ, but also who Christ is in you. So here's the final, some concluding thoughts. Never fear criticism. Fear conformity. That will stunt your soul. You cannot have everyone's approval and God's anointing at the same time. And if you think that you can fulfill God's plan in your life without God's power, you're going to be like me in those early days. Really frustrated, angry, annoyed. Why? You're trying to do things in your own strength. Your own willpower is horribly insufficient in your life. We need to abandon that if we want to grow in who we are in him. And so why don't you stand with me this afternoon? Are you struggling right now to identify what your own calling is? 
Is there a bit of confusion? Are there competing ideas about what that calling is? And is, as a result of that, is that causing you to stagnate, to maybe just fall into a bit of maintenance mode in our walk with Jesus? Jesus didn't die for Sunday Christianity. Amen. He died because you are precious. Not even precious, you are priceless to him. And he loves you with an everlasting love. And so as I, the worship team come forward, perhaps the confusion and the chaos has caused us to be clouded, to be jaded, and we're struggling. And the worship team are going to lead us in a song, but I, I want to invite every person forward that is struggling to reconcile what their calling is, that doesn't have clarity. And you don't need everything, friends. You don't need everything, believe me. Moses just said, show me a glimpse. A glimpse is enough. You don't need to see the full story, otherwise you don't need any faith in God. But if you're struggling in your faith to know what your calling is, you're struggling to walk in submission to that calling or in obedience to that calling, or you're just looking for greater certainty, I encourage you, step out. The worship team are going to lead us in a song that's called In Control. And it's a reminder for each and every one of us here that God is in control. The past is in the past. You can draw a line under it today and say, today I'm going to step with purpose and conviction and confidence into the calling that he has placed in me. And I want to do that because I want to honor God. I want to serve him with my life. And I want to fulfill my potential in God. So if that's you, really encourage you step forward God has something he wants to download into your heart and it's a reminder that God is in control that he's sovereign and he's Lord in Jesus name
just really pray blessing on each other right now. We ask for your favor on the people around us. Lord, we just pray in the name of Jesus that you will do abundantly more than they would even ask for you. And Lord, as far as we're concerned, we pray that we may walk in the calling that you have distributed to our lives. Lord, we know that there are times when we find it difficult to do that, but we pray that we will proclaim your promises over our lives. As Scott has taught us this afternoon, in the name of Jesus, Lord, may we know that you are on the case as far as we are concerned. In Jesus' name, amen.